We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacket Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to frito to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. Hello, friends. Welcome to a summer episode of Kirk Your Enthusiasm. I am joined once again by uh, one of Mavs Moneyball's unofficial Slovenian correspondents. Matej, how are we doing today? Doing fine, a bit tired. It's been a long day and a very uh, a fiery day with all the news around the national basketball team and Luka. Uh, but besides that, I'm doing fine. Really looking uh, forward to the Eurobasket. A lot of high-level games. There's been a few already, uh, and I'm... Uh, Super hyped for the actual tournament. Uh, for basketball fans, uh, it's going to be one hell of a tournament. W- well worth watching for U.S. fans, too. You won't see uh, that level, uh, that intensity of basketball. I would venture to say till the next time we watch NBA playoffs next year. So, well, uh, well worth watching. I am looking forward to Eurobasket, but before we get to Eurobasket talk, when you came on before, it was right at the start of summer, basically giving us a preview of what Mavs fans could expect and hope for in terms of um, Team Slovenia and, you know, the kind of some of the intricacies of why and how NBA players can and can't play, you know, at the at the time um Goran Dragic had just agreed to join the team which was huge since I don't think he's been with the team since 2017 when the team last won Eurobasket and since then they've played a number of friendlies and then I believe two World Cup qualifiers and is that correct the two on the World Cup qualifiers since the beginning of summer, four World Cup qualifiers. Four. If you remember, the last time we talked, they played two uh, against Croatia and Sweden right after Luka finished yes. with his playoffs uh, 
two weeks later, actually, and uh, then the summer uh, break, uh, the team assembled uh, a month ago. Luca joined the team a couple of weeks later because of uh, those restrictions we already talked about that are put on NBA players. They are allowed only 27 days with the national team each summer. That's what the uh, the insurance policy covers. Yeah. Uh, so that's uh, pretty much set in stone. And uh, the team played now the other two uh, uh, qualifiers. Four more are remaining, but those will be played during the NBA and EuroLeague season. So no best players. So we were watching the best version. We are watching now the best version of the national team, which will start with Eurobaskets. The qualifiers are finished now. Uh, Eurobasket starts on Wednesday. Slovenia plays their first game uh, on uh, Thursday. Okay, so that so the games that are coming up during like later are why the the. So for those who aren't aware, Slovenia lost to to Germany in a pretty brutal game. Uh, Luca played okay. I mean, he, well, I mean, Luca always yeah, played he was bad, well. but he, he was, was bad. bad by his own standards. I think by Luca standards, of course. Yeah, yeah, like his stat line looks great, but it was not. I mean, they got beat by double digits. Then Dennis Schrader, you know, current NBA free agent, and uh, I will say that, that Schrader basically. He has he's the kind of NBA player who fans like if you haven't watched him closely, he I'll just say M- NBA teams don't really seem to care for Dennis, which is why he he's a free agent. He scored just enough points kind of in garbage time to put the game out of reach. It was a very it's very frustrating for so so that that loss is sort of why this was you know just to because I do want to talk about some of the other friendlies because the only one I've been able to watch was was Luca playing Jokic and that was a real fun game but it was that that's sort of that was a different vibe than what we've seen from from these other games and so I guess what I wanted to ask is you know this loss yesterday really puts the qualify like the ability to qualify for the World Cup in doubt is that correct and then, you know, sort of what happened in that particular game? Yeah, the intricacies of FIBA basketball, the qualifiers, the tournaments, I know it can get a bit overwhelming for U.S. fans who are more club-oriented, but the national team basketball summers are still, I wouldn't say just for Europeans, but for the rest of the world, except U.S., probably like the biggest uh, Uh, the biggest uh, part of the year when it comes to basketball. It's still uh, the most watched, uh, like uh, national team basketball is, those tournaments are more watched than EuroLeague finals, for example, EuroLeague final four, then league basketball, or of course all domestic. So it's huge. Uh, But yeah, as far as the loss um, to Germany yesterday, what that means, from Slovenia, for Slovenia and the rest of the qualifiers, Slovenia got a lot of help later last, uh, uh, later yesterday when uh, Israel played Sweden, and Sweden beat Israel on their home court, which was quite a surprise. Israel has a couple of NBA players. Audia is probably the one most fans know from uh, the Wizards. Uh, and a solid team with EuroLeague players too. Sweden is worse, but they somehow uh, convincingly beat them on their on their home court, which means that uh, Slovenia still has two wins uh, 
uh, is two wins ahead of Israel right now with four games remaining. So uh, the battle, the battle that remains in the group, in this qualifying group with Slovenia, is only uh, the battle for the third place, which still takes them to the World Cup. First three teams in each group qualify for the World okay. Cup. Germany and Finland have already qualified. They're already there. They'll be first and second, second and first. That's already decided. And Slovenia is battling with Israel for the third place with two wins, with victor, uh, two wins ahead uh, with four games remaining. So the chances of them qualifying, and they're playing Israel twice, once at home, once in Israel. So... Uh, we'll see, but the chances look pretty good now. If uh, Israel beat Sweden last night, it would have been tougher because, uh, yeah, in those, uh, in the other qualifying games, Slovenia will be missing their top five, six, possibly even seven uh, or more uh, players, with, of course, Luka, uh, Dragic, Chanchar, and then the players from Euroleague. That's a, a whole big problem. Like, Serbia is in danger of not qualifying for the World Cup. With Jokic and all other, they have one of the strongest teams in Europe. So, and Turkey uh, in the group with Serbia and Turkey, the same group with Greece as well. Giannis and uh, Jokic had a great battle in qualifiers. Uh, and they're one of those teams won't qualify, most likely Turkey or Serbia, but they are in danger of not qualifying because the same goes for them. But you have to take to, uh, into the account the fact that smaller countries struggle more here. Smaller countries with a smaller pool of players right. they can choose from. Uh, so uh, Slovenia and countries uh, of that size are uh, uh, the most uh, penalized by this qualifying format. Okay, that that makes a lot of sense now that you've you've kind of mapped it out for me because you know it's one thing to lose a game heading into an international competition where everyone is because. Re- this would, I'll, I'll qualify it like this, Mavs fans, for those of you who didn't see this game. This looked like a game in mid-February where the team was just hoping to get to all-star break and get some rest. Like, there was very little urgency and just some very poor play. Luca chatting with the refs a bit too much, and things went from bad to ugly. And so when you play a game like that right on the eve of heading into an international competition, Period, it's probably upsetting for hardcore fans. But then when you consider implications, it it just leaves a real nasty taste in one's mouth right before right before Eurobasket. But the It was a big game. Uh, there's no two ways about it. It was a huge game, a must-win game, especially since Slovenia played before Israel and Sweden. We didn't know how that game is going to go. As far as players are concerned, they should have approached the game much better. It was an early game, too. There is some talk about uh, players who uh, arrived uh, to Germany a day before that, that they might have stayed up a bit too long, so... <laughs> Uh, and it might have affected them. Uh, we know uh, it's a balance. I had an interesting uh, space on Twitter uh, last uh, yesterday after the game, and there was uh, a lot of talk about balancing uh, 
good team chemistry, which Luca emphasized after last year's Olympics as one of the things that's really important for Mavs as well, and which has to work for them. It is a very important thing, but there is such a thing as uh, too much bonding, if you catch my sure. name, as uh, too much good time. And one of the uh, um, one of the th- uh, one of the speakers yesterday mentioned. Um, actually, Alush, uh, who wrote something for my Mass Moneyball uh, as well a couple of days ago, if I'm not mistaken. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah that's fine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He actually said that the last year's success was built on alcohol and cards. So, <laughs> so, and I thought it was, I mean, and it was true. The chemistry was great. We had the Slovenian team actually got some complaints from the Spanish team. They were partying too much despite all the COVID restrictions and they were having a bit too much good time. So they tried to sort of get him out of the tournament, <laughs> made an official complaint, which didn't, of course, uh, go through then. But um, they were known as a team that, yeah, has a really good time together. And it's important, but yeah, the discussion is how much uh, good time is too much. That's really funny. I like that a lot. Um, the element the element of like team bonding, particularly for some of these guys who have had to have known, you know, and, and, you know, Goran's obviously closer to my age. Luca is, you know, 23 years old. Some of these guys have played together or known one another for pushing two and a half decades, I bet in some instances, and maybe even some cases longer, depending on like youth development stuff. So it's like when you get together, particularly, and, and you're doing something, you know, playing for your country, which is extremely, like, it's ex- there's just a lot of pressure. So I, I'm sure, like, the, the like, blowing off some steam now and then, I can see how that can get out of hand when you put all those things together. Yeah, and not just, I mean, every play, all the players know each other. Actually, Serbian coach, after the friendly game with Serbia and Ljubljana, uh, said that our national team, the Slovenian national team, reminds him as a team of guys from the same street, uh, from the same neighborhood who, who's, who have been playing together since they were kids. And even if we look at the oldest guy, Dragic, and the youngest, well, one of the youngest, uh, Luka, they know each other since Luke, uh, Goran was 17 and Luka was, what, five, six years right. old. So even even in that case, they have a relationship going back more than a decade. And yeah, guys are really tightly connected and chemistry is a huge thing in this team. So there's a lot of talk now with the final selection of the final 12 players. Each team is allowed 12 roster spots at the Eurobasket. And one of, well, Luca's best friend is one of the players on the team He's been battling with a couple of other guys who have a lot of fans too here as well. So there's a lot of fights who should have made the team if uh, like uh, friendship with Luca should be a factor of making a team. More or less the same debates, debates we're having all season long with the maps. A lot of those same debates, even when we're, when we're talking about the system Slovenia plays, some fans are cl- complaining it's too Luca-centric. Uh, Luca has the ball too much. Other That's players. amazing. 
it's the same debates, Kirk. It's fascinating. It's fascinating, like having those same debates in a way uh, during the summer with the national team, with Slovenian fans uh, that I have with uh, mass fans from all around the world on Twitter during the season. That's right. That's right. So, man. So I've I, and and I get some of this stuff just like wrapped up and mixed up in my head. So I've I've watched or paid attention to. So I, I have a TV service where I can actually find some of these games. Like I I watched on uh, I think the the channel is Sport Club One. Um, yeah. I watched the uh, and and listened to the announcers. Uh, didn't understand what anybody was saying when when it was. Um, uh Slovenia versus um Jokic is what's wrong with me right now I'm still tired you can tell um when when they played Serbia earlier this month and yeah. it's just it's just a different it's a different vibe like I, I I've also watched the Serbia Greece game and like that was just some of the best high level basketball I've ever seen outside of like the NBA finals and and conference finals just real I- I wasn't kidding when I said fans won't be able to watch this intensity of basketball yeah. in the next year's uh, playoffs. And quality of basketball, too. Let's not forget we have three of the top five, six, whatever, uh, NBA players at the tournament with Yoki, Giannis, and Luka. A lot of players already said this is going to be the strongest tournament uh, Eurobasket in history. Uh, I heard a lot of coaches and players already said it. Dragic certainly said it, that this is going to be uh, the strongest one in the history. And pretty much all the team's strengths has four NBA players. A lot of most of the teams, if not all, have three or two. There's mm-hmm. around 35 NBA players. The other players are top EuroLeague players, EuroCup players. Some of them, a lot of them, I would venture to say, could be in an NBA rotation, a seventh, eighth, and ninth guy in the rotation easily. We actually see how well Dorsey is playing right now for Greece. Had another good game yesterday against Belgium. He's looking really well, and he wasn't even the best guy on his EuroLeague team uh, uh, in uh, uh, Europe uh, these past two seasons, he was, let's say, the third best guy. I, I mean, I've had international fans tell me, I've had international fans basically crush this guy who was like, he might be the fourth. Somebody said he might be the fourth or fifth best guy on the team that he was leaving. So. He, he had a really good offer from uh, one of the top four, top four EuroLeague team for three million two seasons. So he's leaving a lot of money on the table to come to the Mavs. Uh, um, he, but yeah, it's true. He's, he wasn't the best guy on the team, that's for sure. And that's just the point I'm making. He's looking really right. good now playing with Giannis. He definitely looks like a guy who could be seventh, eighth, or ninth guy in an NBA Interesting. Uh, rotation. Yeah. Interesting. Well, okay. I feel like now anybody who hasn't paid attention has an idea of what's going on uh, and, and and knows that, all right, Eurobasket starts tomorrow or t- Wednesday. Wednesday, the 31st of August, and then basically goes three straight weeks up until things are done. So walk us through elements of, you know, one kind of how the, how, how the tournament is structured for Slovenia and what, their path is back to a title and then kind of, you know, I want to hear your thoughts on, on what you think their chances are. Yeah. One of my hot takes 
pre-tournament hot takes it, is we'll get a definite answer who the best player in the world right now is with Jokic, Luka and Giannis, but maybe about that a little bit later. But Slovenia's path. Slovenia is uh, in the proverbial group of death. Uh, it's by far the strongest group at the tournament with three of the top five uh, power-ranked teams before the start of the tournament with uh, Slovenia, France and Lithuania. Bosnia, in the qualifiers that were just played, beat France uh, a couple of nights ago. Germany beat Slovenia yesterday. So even Bosnia with Nurkic and uh, Janan Musa, whom some uh, NBA fans might also know, uh, he has returned to Europe after uh, uh, not having a successful run. Uh, he was drafted the same year as Luka, but didn't really get a chance with the Nets. But he, I think he'll return to the NBA. He's a guy that uh, is a really good player. And of course, Nurkic is... Uh, uh, and Nurkic thoroughly outplayed uh, Gobert in the game against France. Um, and um, yeah, it was another good game. All of those teams that I mentioned right now, Germany, Slovenia, uh, Bosnia, France, and Lithuania, who's a constant, um, let's say, top five, top six, top six, top six European team. All of those teams are in uh, Slovenia's group. Uh, and Hungary which is definitely the worst team uh, in the group. Uh, they won't be a favorite in any game they'll play in the group, but they're not a, uh, they're not a, a bad team. They're, they're not scrubs. We often say now with the development of basketball in Europe, basketball has been tremendously developing all around the world. And it's really growing sport which I, I which I really like to see but in Europe in Europe specifically it's really we often say anybody can beat anybody and ju just to illustrate that uh, 12 uh, of the top 15 uh, FIBA ranked men's teams come from Europe that's why many people say Eurobasket is stronger than World Cup because out of those 12 13 teams Pretty much any team can beat on any given day, can beat any other team, any better ranked team. Uh, so the parity, the competition level is tremendous. And this group, Slovenia's group, will be especially perilous because, uh, yeah, one of the really good teams won't make it. Four teams proceed to the next level of competition in, uh, 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 in the uh, best of uh, 16. Okay. Best, best of 32, I'm sorry. Okay. Fascinating. All right. So that makes, I guess that makes the path tougher because when you get out of the group play, I get it, your, your reseeding after that depends on how you finish in group play. I guess outside of their immediate group, then who are the teams that you would be most uh, kind of, cons well, that posed like one the biggest challenge to, to Slovenia? Uh, in the group Slovenia plays in uh, in the start, uh, pretty much every game they start, the first game will be played against Lithuania. They played Lithuania in last year's Olympic qualifiers, yep. beat them on, the on their home court, Lithuania with the Sabonis and Valanchunas, some, the, the team is pretty much built around them, they're playing together, four and five, looks like an interesting combo, they have better shooters than they had last year around them. They're dangerous, always will be, always 
always have been. Um, uh, uh, France is probably, with, along with Slovenia, I was watching the power rankings. FIBA was posting their power rankings all throughout the friendly games and qualifiers. Slovenia has been first in their power rankings constantly, but there wasn't switching between the next three teams. And those are, if we look at the entire tournament, France, which I already mentioned, Serbia and Greece. So uh, France, they have a great team, beat USA in the group stage last year at the Olympics and narrowly lost in the finals. It yep. was actually a pretty close game. Uh, so they have a great, pretty much the same team. Uh, well, two players missing, Batum is missing uh, and... Batum was actually the reason. Slovenia lost against them with that incredible block in the last... Yep, I remember that. Mm -hmm. They uh, And when I watched them against uh, Bosnia, actually, it seemed to me that Batum and the other guy, Decolo, Nando Decolo, who had a run with the Spurs and is a really good EuroLeague, great EuroLeague player. He's also missing extremely experienced, experienced EuroLeague player. And those are, especially in these FIBA competitions, extremely valuable and look as good as elite NBA players do a lot of the times. So I thought they might be missing, although they weren't the best two or three players. So they do have their best players with, of course, Fournier and Gobert. The team is built around those two. And Gobert does usually look much better, especially offensively in FIBA than he does in NBA. For some reason, I, I actually see him like finishing over smaller guys under the rim. And I don't know why he couldn't finish over Brunson <laughs> under the rim when they played Mavs in the playoffs. Uh, for some reason, he yeah, <laughs> finishes better in FIBA. Uh, it's funny, but those teams, France, Lithuania, and Slovenia are the best teams in the group. Uh, but if we're talking the whole tournament, it's Slovenia, France, uh, um, um, uh, 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 Serbia, and of course, Greece. Uh, I think Greece might actually be underrated a bit because I constantly see them fourth or uh, third or fourth in the power rankings. Uh, uh, I think Serbia and Greece might actually pose the biggest danger in the end, but the margins here are minuscule. Really, yeah. when we're talking about the difference between Slovenia, France, Serbia, like I said, <laughs> any of the best 12 or 13 teams in Europe can beat the other team, yet alone when we're talking like top three, uh, top four teams. It really is going to be, um, like I said in the beginning, what hell of a competitive tournament. I I expect uh, some fights too. It's, it's going to be good. It's going to be players really care. Uh, that That's what matters the most. Uh, and uh, when players really care, that's when we'll see the, the best basketball. Well, and there's, you know, when you watch these games, there's a lot of little things which stand out that I think are real fun. Number one, I really just love the the look of the FIBA basketball compared to the NBA ball. And I've thought this since the day, you know, since seeing like old clips of the of the American Basketball League, the ABA, where they used to have a red, white, and blue ball. When these skilled players shoot a ball like online and the way it rotates, particularly from distance, it's just so pretty to look at. It's a silly thing, but I really love it too. The you crowds. Know, it's funny. 
I'm sorry for interrupting. You, right. I just listened a couple of days ago a podcast with Mirza Teletovic, you know, the shooter uh, who played for the Suns, Bucks, uh, Nates yeah. as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, great shooter. And he was talking just about that. The feel of FIBA basketball and the difference between that basketball and the one in the NBA and how, like, you really need time to get uh, accustomed. It's really NBA. strange. I've shot an NBA ball. And if you go buy an official one for anyone that does it compared to a ball that you can get, like the common ball I see in pickup gyms around here, it's a, I can't, it's an evolution ball, but like the feel of the leather is just so different, a little smoother compared to the NBA ball, which is so, it's hard. I know it sounds stupid to say the ball is hard, but like, it's, it's crazy. It's, it's a really different feeling, but the, 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 the next thing I love watching is, is the, the crowds we touched on this a little bit but it's it's a different vibe and then third i think the i remember seeing a study on this several years ago the fact that the games are 40 minutes makes a huge difference nba games are eight minutes longer eight minutes is is another you know it's like 16 or 20 percent depending on what you're it's it's a significant chunk of time so like over a 48 minute game the better team usually wins it's just harder for in a 48 minute team, because you just have more time to eventually make a comeback in a 40 minute game, things seem to get uncomfortable pretty quickly to where if you're not, you know, and, and obviously this is a stupid statement because time is time. Like if you're, if you're within striking distance in five minutes, anything can happen, but it's just, it, it makes the, the less time makes, makes me when I'm watching these, there's just more, it feels like the game is a little more pressure packed. Because there's less time. Yeah, and we take when we take into the account the tournament format, also one game elimination tournament. Mm. I would compare it to the. That's why March Madness is so popular uh, during that period, and that's why a lot of people who don't watch probably NCAA watch it during that time. Shorter games and one game elimination tournaments. A lot players caring a lot uh, to win and crazy fans. It's like uh, March Madness with NBA level players with. NBA players when we're talking about Eurobasket so uh, with the best players in the world so uh, yeah it's gonna be a really a delight uh, for basketball fans to watch I was watching a lot of qualifiers the last few games also watching some of Latvia play KP does look as good as ever landing on two feet when dunking he did look good (laughs) he's also got this amazing like like bad guy facial hair thing going on yeah bearded bearded kp it's it's good i'm i'm glad for him i i think like you know it's i don't even want to talk hasn't played for his national team since 2017 because he was constantly injured just like who with the maps saying discussions with the latvian fans for the national team he looks healthy if he's playing for national team uh, he definitely has. He must to be, be feeling, feeling good. As, yeah. as good as he's been feeling in five years. That's, that's good for him. Well, okay. There's one last thing I wanted to touch base on. Now that you're here, um, the Mavericks hired a a 
I think it was he the first Slovenian player drafted to the NBA. Oh, yeah, Marko Milic, uh, a legend in uh, Slovenia, just as big of a legend as uh, all the other basketball stars. He was the first Slovenian in NBA. I think he was 18 when he got drafted, and the legend goes. Actually, there are still that you can still see clips on Twitter uh, that he actually got drafted because of his uh, dunk in the Slovenian All Star game. Was it? 95 96 uh where he dunked over the car but actually over the car that's not, amazing not like Blake griffin over the sure the car. yeah he went over the car and uh, the legend goes that that was actually the clip that went viral it was supposed to be shown on sports center in the or whatever <laughs> you guys had in those days uh, uh maybe sports center too i don't know it's an old show uh it was shown on american tv as well and supposedly uh, that's what got him drafted. He was uh, an extremely athletic guy, uh, known for his athleticism, probably. I would say one of the most, if you look at his highlights, one of the most athletic uh, players, sort of six, five, six, six, kind of uh, in la- later stages of career, played more three, four, kind of a, like Barkley, maybe Zion. Like if I'm looking, if I'm looking some exaggerated comparison, uh, um, uh, comparisons, but sort of he played like that. He was uh, an extremely athletic guy, great rebounder for his size. But uh, yeah, started playing later. Uh, uh, actually was uh, an athletics guy. I think he like all kinds of disciplines, like multi sports guy, but basketball came later and uh, he needed a lot of time to develop his basketball skills to uh, have a long, successful career, played for pretty much all of the best teams in Europe, uh, moved around a lot, but always played for top teams. Uh, And the last four years, uh, five years, I think, since he retired, four or five, he's been in charge of youth development for the Slovenian Basketball Federation. Knows Luka since he was a kid. Okay. Yeah, he uh, just like there's a photo of uh, the uh, Milic uh, Luka, five or six year old Luka. Uh, 17, 18, 19-year-old Dragic, Milic uh, and Luka's father, uh, Dragic, Milic and uh, Sasha Doncic, Luka's dad, all played for the same team and Luka was the mob boy. That's amazing. That's great stuff. He was always with the team in the locker room. The stories go, uh, he, he pretty much grew up in the locker room. So what do you think, like, understanding what you know about him as a coach and player development, what do you think about the hire? Do you think it's a good fit? Because I've been, I've been a little concerned is not the right word, but when, you know, the, what their former, like the the former national team coach, um, whose name escapes me at the moment, moved on to coach with the Nets. Kokoskov, yeah, signs with the Nets uh, and probably immediately regrets that decision. And then, you know, the Mavericks don't sign Drogic, which is going to be something that I think they regret. And there's not really a veteran presence on the team. There's Luca, there's Jason Kidd. And obviously, like, Luca is Luca's the important part. But I've always thought with given his age and sort of his, you know, um, I think Luca will eventually develop into a vocal leader. But at 23 years old, it's a lot to expect of him. And so I'd been kind of concerned about things that could 
things to help keep him grounded um, for lack of a better description. And, and somebody bringing someone in that has known him for quite a time, I, I think is at least important based on that. And, and, but what, what do you think, what do you think he brings to the table for the Mavericks? Yeah, I have a lot of thoughts here when you also, when you mentioned Dragic and the whole thing of them, the last time we talked, I think it was right before free agency, the start, like right before July 1st or something like that. And we probably thought, most of us thought Dragic is going to join the team just because of the reasons you just you yeah. just mentioned. Uh, Luca does need somebody uh, mature, somebody who respects. He always had great veteran yeah. locker room leadership in his team. Real Madrid it's it's almost like a military. I mean, guys get along, but there's a hierarchy there, which is like respected. And what the guys who are the most respected in the locker room say goes. There's no debate. There's mm-hmm. no ends and buts about it. It goes. If they say shut up, you shut up, or you don't play. It's basically that's the atmosphere Luca grew up in. His coach told him to shut up and play many times. There's clips of that on on, on YouTube. Um, so, uh, I mean, it's a completely different atmosphere uh, and relationship between the coach and the and the players than it is in uh, FIBA, in European club basketball, basketball especially. It really is like a military. The coach is the, the colonel and, and the guys are the soldiers. Basically, there's no debates. There's funny clips of top European coaches on YouTube yelling at guys. It's, it's really it's, it's spectacular. If you just look at Obradovic, uh, Gigi Datome. That's all I'm going to say. Google that and you're going to get a spectacular example of Euro League coaching. It's a different relationship. And I think Luca doesn't... There's no debate about it. Luca does need that on the maps. Why they didn't go for Dragic, I don't know if I want to go too deep in some conspiracy theories, but hey, I have a hot take. I saw on Twitter, somebody mentioned it in a, a thread in a debate with Josh Bow, and I can't remember who said it. Uh, uh, I saw it in a thread, but it was a verified account. It was, I think, one of the reporters. I'm sure you know the guy, but he mentioned that it's like the way uh, Mavs sort of resi- are resisting signing Dragic for years now, not just yep. this summer, but for years. It's like they don't want somebody um, who has a huge influence uh, on Luca in the locker room if things go bad. And yeah. I thought about it, and I actually think there might be something to that. Dragic is a Miami Heat guy. I think he actually, I think he will work in the front office of the Miami Heat after he retires or in some capacity for them. He keeps talking in one of the podcasts he did. He had a, like a 10-minute ode to Udonis Haslam. How this is his like ultimate yep. example of a leader and a chemistry guy and how this is like the the it of leadership when it comes to the NBA league. And right. he he's a Miami Heat. So if, yeah, he comes, he has a huge influence on Luca. Does Cuban and the rest of the leadership really want Dragic telling Luca, you know, that never happened to me, man. That I, I played for Heat like seven years, eight yep. years. That took me to the room. He told me everything straight up. And he did say that in the podcast interviews he did, like 
they've always been straight up with me. They, he mentioned that Toronto wasn't, they, they had a deal to trade him last summer when uh, things went wrong with Toronto. He actually said they had a deal to trade him and they sort of reneged on their word, but that's a different story. He didn't say like, nobody's been as straight up with me as Pat Riley and the rest of the guys. So if he's telling that to Luca when things are, aren't going well on the team and we know that Mavs haven't been really terribly successful putting a contender around Luca in the years where they had a lot of good chances to bring in better pieces than they did. Yeah. Oh, there's a lot we can talk about there, but we don't have time. So, <laughs> yeah, as, I, mean, as... I don't. A bit of a hot take. <laughs> oh no, that's a good take. But as as far as Marco though, do do you think this is is at least some, like this is this is a pretty good co- coaching hire? I think just from the more I learn about it, at the time I was just kind of like, well, what what are we doing here? And the more I, I look into it, the more I I am am pretty pleased with the hire. You think it's a good one for Dallas? Ma- Marco is a guy who's loved by all the players who played with him uh, all around the world. I, I don't know. We didn't mention it yet. He did play with Kid as well on the Suns when huh. uh, he got drafted. So that is, uh, I don't know if they're still communicating or whatever, but they do have a connection of being on the same team in 98, 99, something like that. Uh, so he's a guy that knows Kid. He's a guy that has worked really well on the basketball uh, federation, working with younger players. Like I said, younger, older, everybody loves him. All the players love him. Luca loves him. Uh, I'm. I don't know specifically, like as a coach, as a development coach, how he is. But Slovenia is developing good players. I. I, I can't say that basketball federation in Slovenia, when it comes to younger uh, selections, is doing a good job of uh, producing, working with the talent pool they have. So, and he's part of that. So. Hasn't worked on the level of an NBA team, of course, as a development coach, that level of talent, how he'll transition to that, we'll see. But as a good guy in the locker room that I'm sure all the players will like to play cards with, talk with, he's also a guy, who, a jokester, uh, <laughs> let's say, a guy who likes to joke around. Um, sure. I think... Uh, there's absolutely no risk in bringing him over. And he's a guy who, uh, yeah, probably won't be telling to look at. Uh, that didn't happen to me in Miami. He's going to play for fans. Ah, thanks. Yeah. Let's, learn, let's, let's end on that happy note. Okay. Well, thank you so much for, for joining today and talking about this. And, you know, we with three weeks of basketball and then a short, short break and then back in NBA training camp, if things go well and, you know, this ends up being a, a really nice tournament for, for Slovenia. Um, I, I'd like to have you on again, either either during the run or after it, and, and we'll, uh, we'll talk soon. Does that sound good? That sounds great. Love to do it anytime, and uh, yeah, we'll talk. Let's see how it goes. Uh, I'm just looking forward to a lot of great basketball and hoping Mavs fans are going to enjoy some high-level basketball too. Pick a team, doesn't need to be Slovenia, and go with it. It's fun. It's uh, it's fun. Like I said, March right. with NBA-level players. So That's right. Let's go. All right. This has been Kirk and Matei. We'll talk to you guys soon. Thanks. Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. 
With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to Cars.com. It's magical.